Check out the Geek Therapy Forum, which combines the features of a traditional message board with the comment section of all our content. Join the discussion at forum.geektherapy.com. Welcome to GT Radio on the Geek Therapy Podcast Network. My name is Osoy Cardona, and I am joined by Lauren Keller. Hello. Ali Matu. Greetings. And Lara Taylor. Hey. First things first, we have a new patron. Hello, Mitchell. Thank you for becoming a Patreon member. Yay, thank you. I like this being a trend. Thank you, Mitchell. It's, a, it's like the best way to start an episode. Um, and then I do want to make uh, one announcement before we get started. We just launched the Geek Therapy Forum. And and so I want to I wanna pitch to, to you guys especially why, uh, some of the reasons why this is this is now a thing. Sometimes, Ali, yes. you, like, you post things in the Slack, right? I do. And, I'm a and big I'm like, poster. And I'm like, man, but like I tweeted that like hours ago or like we posted that on Facebook. And of course, this is this is the reality of the world that we live in. It's impossible to follow everything and see everything and and follow all these conversations. And I've been thinking a lot about how like how do you respond to a podcast? What is Hmm. what is the best way to do that? So with the new GT Forum, the comments of every single episode of Geek Therapy, Headshot, Psych Tech and GT Roundtable and any other future shows that uh, I host on on one of the main GT sites, the comments are gone and they all link to a topic in the forum. So from now on, every single piece of content is tied back to this one location. Hmm. Oh, and I can also do things like, um, for example, we did an episode of GT Radio on co-op gaming, right? Uh, A few months ago. And I went and I republished that as a headshots episode. And I said, like, hey, this is an episode of GT Radio. So now both of those episodes, if you go to them on the website, they'll link back to the same forum topic. So it doesn't matter where you listen to it, it'll always go to the same place. And uh, now every single episode of GT Radio, in your show notes, you'll see at the bottom that it says, like, discuss this episode in the forum, and then it'll take you right to the topic to discuss the episode on the forum. I think all that stuff is really cool. That's awesome. Yay. I'm excited. I hope that people come and and tell us how uh, smart and insightful and funny we all are because (laughs) I need that positive reinforcement. (laughs) (laughs) And then they can jump right over to another thread that's just talking about like, I don't know, like baking. It doesn't matter. You know? Yes, exactly. Because there are different categories and then you can you know take part and if you're a patreon member like mitchell you and you join the the forum with the same email that you signed up for on patreon then you get access to a patreon exclusive area so now even instead of having like separate conversations in patreon like i've been saying with uh, gt book club for example i'm always like oh there's a community area here in patreon whatever nope all that forget that now it also everything that happens on patreon also links back to the forum so everything. So um, my hope is that the forum is the the central core place for you know any discussion and feedback. And one of the, the 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 best examples. I hope we can we can set this example. Us, us that are here is um, you remember Ali when uh, you weren't on the anxiety episode. <laughs> uh, I don't know if I can remember something I was not a part of. You but remember sure. you remember not being there. You remember the feeling and you of, remember of listening out. and, yeah. and I remember being the FOMO. mad at us. Yeah. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. And so we joked about you doing Ali rants, right? Right, right. Which I did while I was listening to the episode, and then I got to the end of the episode, and you guys were like, "Ali's just gonna like rant at us on the Slack channel about how wrong we are," which is what I was doing. So that was great. But now you can do it on the forum for the episode. Whoa! So basically, Josue, this is like the Marvel Cinematic Universe where it's all connected. <laughs> yes. yes, it's all kind of pretty good. This is pretty good. I'm, I'm kind of excited about this. Um, another example, uh, last week we talked about eating disorders. And when I was editing the episode, I was like, damn, you know, like there's information here that I, I should have included. So now it's in the forum. I was able to, I commented on our episode. So if you go there for the discussion, you'll see extra information that I added to it. So I'm hoping that, you know, all of us can do the same thing and uh, at, the, at the very least have extra content um, for any episodes if we have any thoughts or ideas. How, um, how can one access the forum? So I'm going to spell it out slowly. <laughs> All right. Go to forum. <laughs> go to forum.geektherapy.com. F-O-R-U-M dot geektherapy.com. <laughs> Got it. 
Got it? That <laughs> sounds pretty good. That's okay, pretty cool. easy. And again, you don't even have to type that down because in on the show notes for this very episode that you're listening to, you'll see where it says, want to discuss? Do it on the forum or something like that. And there's a link. You just go there. Boom. It takes you to it. You don't even have to go to the website anymore. You're I'm an evil like genius, Josue. I feel really good about this. I think it, it makes a lot of sense. I'm very excited. All right. Enough about the forum. This is our last episode of Mental Health Month. What? I know. No, mental health is forever. Mental Health Month is only the month of May. That's true. That's true. And uh, for this year, we've done every week on GT Radio, we've done an episode on mental health words, um, how they're used every day, how they're used in media, mostly incorrectly. So we're addressing a lot of those words. Uh, This week, we're talking about depression and depression-related words. And uh, I'm glad we have the full crew here for that. So... Let's get into it. I guess depression is has got to be, right? Like one of the words that is most used by people. It's like the, the mental health word most used by people that isn't like in a non-clinical sense, but it's a, it's a, it's a word we use in clinical work. I feel like you say that every week. <laughs> <laughs> it's a big one. It's one that comes up the most. And I, well, I wouldn't say the most. I would say depression and anxiety are probably mm-hmm. in a race for most commonly used in media. And I think that's probably related to how we can all, to some degree, understand and relate to anxiety and depression. Some people say that depression might be the common cold of mental health. People say that? Some people say that. What people say that? I've never heard any people <laughs> say never, that. Never heard anybody make what? that comparison. Nope. People have been known... To say this statement. People you know? <laughs> Certain people I know. <laughs> Is it are these you? The same, are these the same people who, who don't know how to spell QQ? <laughs> Maybe. No, Maybe. well, I mean, look, everyone, everyone has felt down or sad or felt like they had less energy or problems sleeping or loss of appetite, and I'm just kind of listing out (laughs) symptoms of depression now. But a lot of these different symptoms we've all experienced in some way. And um, to some degree, feeling these things is normal when there's been a big setback in your life or when there has been some type of loss that has occurred. We we talked about bereavement a while ago and how um, some aspects of of grieving and bereaving are, are very normal and expected. I think a lot of these things people can in some way relate to. And in media depictions, people might be drawing from these personal experiences, which may not be accurate to what clinical diagnosable impairing depression is so i don't have these statistics but do you have any idea how many people ever get a clinical mental health diagnosis of anything it's Just not curious. very many not enough <laughs> yeah that's a, that's a, that's a good answer <laughs> right because i think a lot of I, see this is one of those words where i'm like if somebody says that they're feeling depressed i'm like i i get what you mean but that's different from being diagnosed with major depressive disorder or dysthymia or bipolar disorder, bipolar disorder, some of the other um, disorders in that category. So it's tough, right? Um, I mean, like I've had a clinical diagnosis of depression and and still sometimes I'm like, am I like, am I am I at that level right now or, or am I just feeling down? But yeah, either way, I'm saying I feel depressed. There is something to be said about and this is where we get into how people misuse the word. I think there is a difference between being sad and and even being down and being depressed. I I am someone else who has a diagnosis of um, some form of depression. I think that when I hear people say I'm so depressed when they're talking about like they didn't get a ticket to go see a movie at the time they wanted to, but they got to later in that day. And this is a friend of mine that actually said this. I'm kind of like, are you really, you're really depressed? Cause you're going to go see it tonight instead of right now. You're such a therapist. I am. I I am such a therapist, (laughs) 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 but to me, it's one of those things where 
I feel like it almost belittles my own experience where there are days in my past where I've not been able to get out of bed. Yeah. But I don't want to I don't want to knock down anyone's experience of being sad. It's a real feeling, but there is a distinction there. The um the parallel I'm thinking about with the anxiety episode was panic. Mm-hmm. Like, like that is there's panic disorder and then there's feeling panic and uh, those two are different things and there's feeling depressed which could mean a variety of things and then there is major depressive disorder which is a very specific thing Um, and it's also a thing that can present so differently like some people might be really irritable they're very easily emotionally set off and um, that could be the main way they present as depression, where there's other people that might be, as Laura was saying, like having a hard time getting moving, getting going, getting out of bed. And that could be the main feature of depression, where for someone else, they're able to go through all the motions of the day, but it's the hopelessness that's their main feature. Right. That's what I think is one of the big challenges of understanding depression and also showing us what depression is like because some people can go about their day you might not see any what we call impairment any limitations on their life and what they want to do but internally they're really struggling with these sensations it's so incredibly difficult for them i've seen these terms of functional anxiety and functional depression thrown around and i think generally that they're pretty accurate and they stick like it's something that you know you can deal with and manage and and go about your everyday life but it is still affecting you in some way and causing maybe not a huge impairment but but some impairment and discomfort and it may be something that you feel like you can just brush off or maybe it's something that you need to talk to somebody about and, and there's so many when we're talking about media depictions of depression, there's also a lot of cultural ideas of depression that maybe depression is just being lazy or not trying hard enough. I, th- I think that's something that many of us have uh, have heard before, which is wrong on many levels um, and problematic on many levels. But there's, I think there's a lot of miscommunication and and ideas about depression that just doesn't quite fit what it actually is. So while it's, I think it's probably as commonly discussed or said as anxiety or as I'm anxious, I think it's far more misunderstood than anxiety. One thing that you said, Lara, that I, I feel like we didn't address enough throughout the month is that when we, when we use the words incorrectly, that it does affect the people who do have an actual clinical diagnosis. It does kind mm-hmm. of many people feel that their experience is diminished because people are just casually using using a word. I think that's really important. I think that applies to every single word that we've w- that we've talked about. I think any term that that is related to a disorder, you know, that th- that issue is a, is a core part of it, and it's one of the reasons why we wanted to do this. Mm-hmm. I don't know, and but there's also the other point that you made, like maybe someone is feeling really bad. You know, mm-hmm. and and they don't have a better word for it. Again, I don't know whose fault that is. I think dysthymia is a good one, right? Like that's a that's a good like clinical sounding word, <laughs> but depression mm-hmm. it's like it's like it's too general now. Well, I think some of the blame there also goes towards the pharmaceutical industry. I mean, I could I could really go on a soapbox here and talk about um, how I think the pharmaceutical commercials, uh, the psychiatric pharmaceutical commercials are really problematic. Step on and step off of it real quick. Real quick, I'll say that they, the pharmaceutical industry has made depression seem so um, commonplace and yet such a chemical imbalance, which I think is really problematic for a lot of, a lot of reasons, and um, has made it harder for us to understand what depression actually is. And of course, our our friends, the general practitioner, right, I think has a lot to do with that, where someone's like, I'm feeling kind of depressed. It's like, boom, here's a prescription. And then that person never even got to the point of getting a, like evaluated to know what their symptoms really, really represent. And they had no sort of behavioral intervention either, which I think is, um, it it creates the idea that if you're depressed, you take a pill and that there's no other solution when we know that that's not even, like that, that's not going to 
get you better. It's going to make you feel better for a bit, but it's not going to help you get better. I really think the the uh, the group that probably is most impacted by this are people who have bipolar depression because not only is depression so mixed in its representation but i i haven't seen many depictions of bipolar depression that have been done well in film and tv i've got a couple of recommendations in books that i think it's been done really well but not so much in books, or I'm sorry, in TV and film. So, you know what? I feel like in every day I hear people say, oh, that person is so bipolar. And and it's like, it's one of my missions in life to just stop people and be like, well, actually, you're using that wrong. Because that just doesn't just mean that somebody is like cool one moment and then not cool the next. You know, that's like, that's not, that's not what it is. Katy right? Perry didn't really help us much. No. <laughs> I love the song. It's catchy, but no. It's super catchy. It's not, yeah. you're just hot and you're cold. That's not it. That's not how it, no. You're young and you're old. Yeah, 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 exactly. You're yes and you're no. You're up and you're down. <laughs> <laughs> and this episode is now taken down due to a copyright infringement uh, letter. <laughs> We didn't say everything in the right order. I don't think so, no. It's don't perfect. Worry, good point, good point. Nice. Got around it. It was less than eight seconds, so. Good job. <laughs> so bipolar disorder is episodes of depression and mania that they take time, right? Like, you're, like you're, you're, you're going from one into the other, going from one into the other. And it's not like at the drop of a hat. Even rapid cycling is not instant. Yeah. Like, rapid cycling right. can take days or weeks. Like. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 And, and, oh man, that one bothers me because, but I don't, I don't remember seeing in media people just calling other people bipolar. I do remember examples of people having bipolar disorder and like being represented as having manic and depressive episodes that, that I do, but I mean, you'll you'll still hear that. You'll still hear the term manic depressive, which isn't really used uh, much more in the formal mental health world, but uh, you'll some still, old school people will still use some it. old school. That's right, yeah, old school people. Say, it's it's so wacky. I mean, we have we've talked a lot about terms and how they're used in media. We haven't talked much about terms and how they're used in the professional mental health world. There's some wackadoo old school terms that are that some more senior members of the field continue to use. And I'm like, are you are you serious? You know that like term is offensive now. Like, let's not do that. Um, Ali, you can't use wackadoo anymore. Mm-hmm. We should. <laughs> I don't think that was mentioned on our ep- a couple episodes back, but it could should have been on that episode about the, the that's crazy. And that's a good one. Point well taken. See, I am guilty of this myself. I really, I really like wackadoo, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's. I think it, it it captures how I feel when I hear people using some of this terminology. That in the mental health world, that is just like really outdated. I, I can't remember the word that used to. Oh, it's it's a word that was like that was like the most common word for people who mentally weren't like stable it's not eccentric it's um neurotic neurotic is the word that i was thinking of neurotic, neurotic is like i still hear neurotic as a term neurotic is still used yeah. yeah i know but it's like that's like an old school term yeah neurotic. it's super old school well, so, yeah so it's psychotic yeah because i think neuroticism was in the dsm i believe maybe wrong i mean hysteria was in the dsm a long mm, time ago hysteria is one too yep 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 Hey, we've launched a new website called the Geek Therapy Forum. Almost every piece of content on the Geek Therapy Network is now linked to a topic on the forum, replacing the comments on separate websites. It also includes all the features of a traditional message board, so we have topics ranging from pop culture and video games to psychology and mental health. Patreon members also get access to an exclusive area to discuss Patreon-exclusive content, all in one place. You'll find a link to this episode's topic on the GT Forum in the show notes, or you can go to forum.geektherapy.com to sign up and join the discussion. Again, visit the new GT Forum at forum.geektherapy.com. Therapy.com. So we've brought up, you know, in general terms, you know, um, how these different disorders are represented in media. Um, actually, and, and I do want to take a moment. I've said dysthymia a few times. Dysthymia is like long-term depression, right? Mm-hmm. Low, so double check. Lower grade, long-term depression. 
right? And and that's a word that I never see anywhere um, in media, not even like in conversations with you know, like in the field or, or generally. Like that that's a word that I barely um, hear. What about you guys? Yes, no. I I hear it in the field when I'm yeah. working with with, that, yeah. with kids, um, but not not used generally at yeah. all. Yeah. Um, so that's when I never see media. Bipolar definitely. Do you guys have any examples um, for media? I can I can tell you that uh, I remember the mom in uh, Shameless and the American version of Shameless. Uh, I think that that's a really good portrayal yeah. of someone with bipolar disorder. And then we see one of her kids, you know, one of the one of the, the kids uh, starts to show symptoms. And I think that they handle that really well. And it's, it's I'm, also, try, I'm trying to figure out which one now because I'm only like a season in and I'm like, hmm. Oh, OK, OK. I won't say anything. <laughs> uh, but the way the family handles it is is great because they recognize the symptoms from from their mom. Okay. So they're really able to come together uh, with that. And I won't say anything else about that. But I think that that representation is, is fantastic. I remember seeing, this is going back a while, on ER, uh, one of the characters, I can't remember which what her name was. She was one of the nurses. Um, her mom and her brother both had bipolar disorder. And they sh- had a good depiction of mania. Um, and then after the manic episode, the, I think the brother goes back in for treatment. And I think the same thing happens with the mom because typically that is, that's what happens. I think, um, that the people around them aren't as concerned about the depression, even though they should be, they're mm-hmm. more concerned about the mania, um, and how that affects them. Yeah. Um, yeah. The one of my favorite depictions of bipolar depression is a Broadway show that uh, you can you can hear the music on iTunes or YouTube wherever you uh, or Spotify wherever you get your music. Next to Normal is is the show, and it was about ten years ago that it was on Broadway, and um, I think the it won the Tony Award for Best Actress. And the mom in this show has bipolar depression, and what I love about the show are two things. One is a song called I Miss the Mountains. And it's about how hard it is for her to be on medication and try to limit manic episodes because of how the manic episodes make her feel and how they make her feel um, so full of life. And it's th- those are the mountains of her life that, that she kind of misses when she's in treatment. So that's reason number one why I love it. it. It really validates that experience that so many people I've worked with have said that, you know, I don't like the depression part of bipolar depression, but the mania, I make connections and see things and can do things that I can't otherwise. Like, I, I, I want to keep this part of, of bipolar the other reason why I like that show is kind of similar to the ER episode, maybe, Laura, that you were discussing, is it shows the impact that uh, mental illness can have on a family, which is something that is so rarely uh, discussed. We often talk about the impact as on an individual, but this Broadway show talks about how it impacts a marriage, a relationship between um, parents and kids, uh, and it's it's just brilliantly done. So if you haven't heard it and you love musicals, please check out Next to Normal. It's it's pretty awesome. Lauren, do you have any examples that you could think of? A couple more. I've got a couple more. The, okay. Um, just because we were going through some uh, examples of bipolar on The Gifted. There's an oh, example of a character. Yeah. They don't they don't address it too often, but it, when they have, I think it's been handled well. Yeah, and I and I hope they explore that more in the next season. Yeah, yeah. Although, um, although, although. So one thing that they that happens in that show, which is something that happens often when depression is portrayed, it does bother me, is that suddenly. Whether it's bipolar or um, just uh, somebody is is you know dealing with symptoms of depression, it's like they physically change mm-hmm. on TV. Like all of a sudden they're wearing black, you know, or <laughs> uh, like put, like uh, in the gifted, like she changes her costume, you know, after like right like so so towards the end 
where it it seems like she's having like she's starting a manic episode and then she makes some decisions and then like she's literally in a new costume. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I can get that with a superhero kind of show, but I agree that in other well, I, I I think about a horrible example of like emo Spider-Man in Spider-Man 3 Tobey Maguire <laughs> and how he totally changes, right? But that's because of Venom. But there there are good examples out there too. But but that like changing, like physically changing. It's kind of misleading. It's yeah. super misleading because <laughs> yeah. then like because I've talked to parents who are like, "Oh, that kid like he dresses in black or he dresses like this or like yeah. they look this way." And it's like, "Well, that that doesn't that doesn't mean anything." No. You know? That alone doesn't doesn't tell us anything. That just means they have an interesting sense of style. But on TV, <laughs> yeah, yeah. When you see that happen, ugh, that one that one does bother me. The one of the positive examples I wanted to bring up of uh, depression is on the reboot of One Day at a Time on Netflix. Uh, the main character, the mom Penelope, uh, it deals with anxiety and depression from being in war. I didn't watch all of the original episodes, so I don't know why they call her PTSD. They don't call it PTSD. They call it PTS. So maybe it was just some exp- traumatic experiences and it didn't really qualify as PTSD. But she does have a diagnosis of depression and anxiety. Um, and there's an episode, uh, episode nine in season two, where she cuts out therapy, cuts out her medication, and her family really notices a difference. Um, and it shows how it affects her kids and her mom, who's living with her to help take care of her kids. Um, so it's a pretty cool episode. I don't remember which episode we talked about that on where, like, if the person is taking their meds and they're going to therapy, then the mental health issues that they're going through aren't as dramatic, right? Uh-huh. So when you show the the coming off the medication, the stopping of the, of the, the therapy, I think I think that that's really important, you know, to show mm-hmm. that it does have an effect. Yeah. yeah. I always appreciate that. I want to um bring up BoJack Horseman. Ah, I just I just thought of that. I was like, I have one now. Oh, Lauren, <laughs> let me uh, I will that's considered an assist and I will let you take it away. <laughs> yeah, I feel like BoJack is is a a pretty good example of depression in media. It's definitely something I related to. Um, personally and, and the feelings of sort of getting what you want and getting your goals and achieving your dreams and not feeling the the good feelings you're supposed to get from from achieving your dreams and meeting your goals and feeling like well what's wrong with me that I, I don't I, I'm still unhappy, even though I got what I wanted. I really, I really connected with that aspect of BoJack. There's an episode, uh, or I would say just a clip of an episode that you can watch to get a taste that won't really spoil anything. But if you look up BoJack Horseman, stupid piece of shit on YouTube, there's a clip that's probably about three, four minutes in length that shows you what it's like to live inside his head for a moment. And I think that's a really good representation of one one aspect of depression. And it it might not speak to everyone's experience, but it does speak to some of the internal dialogue that people do experience uh, when they are depression when they are depressed. And I thought that was really well done. I had like the num- the week that um, that season came out on Netflix. I had a, f- a couple of my patients who said, do you watch BoJack Horseman? Because this clip was like, this is my life. This is what it's like to be in my head. Geek therapy, y'all. Yeah, that mm-hmm. was that was definitely a super relatable scene for me too. I'm like, oh, hmm. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> <laughs> you know what, Lauren? Media matters. Media matters. Speaking of, I'm wearing my Media Matters t-shirt available on Teespring. Nope. T-Public. Nope. Nope. T-Public. You said, it wrong. It. you said it wrong on Twitter. You said it wrong on Twitter and I was going to say something. And I was like, let's, You should have. Let's do that you again. You should have called me out. Lauren, where did you get that Media Matters t-shirt? T-Republic. Nope. nope, that's not what it's called either. T-Public. Public. The t-shirt store online now. <laughs> so much At geektherapy.com. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I don't know what Forums. I'm talking about. Forums.geektherapy.tshirts.com. 
I don't know what I'm talking about, question but the Q. shirt the shirt is very comfortable. <laughs> I swear you've got some editing to do. Every week. Every week. Let, let me get us back on track. Laura, I was um I was waiting for you to bring up this example because I think you and I've been waiting to geek out with this example with you. Uh Marbles by Ellen Forney. Yes. So that book is an amazing graphic novel. I've used it in many presentations. And yeah. never read it. <laughs> I haven't read it. I haven't really read it, no. I got to read this. I I think it is required reading for anyone going into the mental health field. No, I I think it's I think it's important for people to read. I think comics other than like most of us when we're in in class and learning about this stuff or like even in trainings and and conferences, it's a lot of paper and words and just looking at words and reading things but comics bring this this visual element to it in a way that you can't just see someone act out ellen forney uses this spread that josue has used in so many presentations and Mm -hmm. never actually read the book (laughs) but it has what is going on in her head for her uh when she's having a manic episode and that hit home for me like what it really means for somebody to be going through that. Like I said earlier, I I understand depression, but I don't necessarily understand what a manic episode is like. And she goes over the same ideas as the like missing the mountains. Mm -hmm. Um, And she's an artist. And so she talks about how she felt like it was going to ruin her creativity. Um, And she has a new book out Mm -hmm. that, uh, what is, it's a long name. What is it? Um, oh, I totally forget. I was reading it today. I totally <laughs> forgot the name. But it's like a, it's a self-help book, which is a follow-up yeah. to Marbles, which is a memoir. And uh-huh. it's a self-help for bipolar depression. The uh, chapter that really got me is you go from a chapter all about experiencing mania and the energy, the lack of sleep the connection of ideas, and then you flip the page and the drawings are completely different. They're much smaller. They're mm-hmm. less, there's a lot less going on. They're much more basic. And that whole chapter is about depression. And when you turn the page from mania to depression, the entire style is different and how your eye is exploring the page is different. I think it's so well done in showing us what it feels like. And the other thing I love about Marvels is it really walks you through what it's like to receive medication treatment for bipolar depression as well as therapy. Mm-hmm. It's such a beautiful celebration of working with a therapist and it's so rare for us to see positive depictions of uh, therapists in media. And Marvels has a wonderful representation of that. I'm probably going to screw up the name of the sequel but uh, or the follow-up, but I think I just remembered it. Rocksteady advice from my bo- bipolar life. I think that's the name of that it. That sounds pretty good. I think I know Rocksteady is the, the first part. Brilliant advice from my bipolar life. Yes, you are right. There we go. Yeah. Um, The other one that I should mention, too, uh, is actually reference in Marbles, and that's An Unquiet Mind by uh, Kay Jameson. She is a psychologist who discovered that she has bipolar depression when she was um, studying psychology as an undergrad, and uh, that's a written memoir which is also just a really good representation of what it is like to experience this. There's a whole chapter about um, when she kind of voyaged to Saturn, uh, if I remember correctly, when she was manic. And that whole chapter is so captivating and, again, helps you understand what mania feels like. So yeah, I, I guess I really like these memoir representations from people who have actually lived this experience. There are a lot of good web comics too mm. that um, Josue and I have talked about like I think at least a year ago. I don't remember all the names, but I Lunar Baboon comes up to mind. Hyperbole and a Half. Yeah, um, Sarah Scribbles. There's a whole bunch of good stuff out there. If you Google like depression web comics there's some pretty good stuff 
Now, do you guys find that this content, and you can go, you can bring up specific examples. Do you think that it's, I don't know, is it entertaining? Is it like too real? Is it, you know, depressing? Because <laughs> like, I, I want to read marbles, but sometimes I'm like, I don't know if I want to read marbles, you know? I think that's what always happens. Marbles was pretty, it was pretty real, but it wasn't too real. I think it was good to read the web comics that I that I mentioned most, and that Ali mentioned. Most of them are pretty accessible, and like as someone dealing with those issues, it's like, oh, that that got me right there. I I know what they're talking about, and they're usually kind of cute and and funny, um, especially Hyperbolina Half. Oh my gosh, Ellie Broche is hilarious, um, and Sarah Scribbles. It's usually in a comedic way that can kind of make you feel like, oh, somebody understands me, and they're making fun of the situation from being in it. Gotcha. I know what you mean, Hasway, with your question, because that's exactly the question that's been on my mind with 13 Reasons Why, which may or may not relate to this conversation. I have avoided watching it. I watched the, actually the first episode and of the first season. I, I couldn't watch more because it was too close to home in terms of the work I do. It felt too real related to a lot of the teens that I work with. And for me, coming home late at night after a long day of work, working with people who are struggling with the things we sometimes talk about on this show, that show was too difficult for me to watch. So I haven't watched it. Uh, Marbles, I do think, is empowering. Uh, and I, I think the same is true of An Unquiet Mind, the same is true of Next to Normal, and there's some films out there that I, I think do um, leave you with a sense of hope, um, or at least a better understanding. But there are some things out there that are just so real, or um, it's a piece of the story that doesn't necessarily leave you with much hope that could be hard to watch and for some people who might be experiencing this it might hit a little too close to home like people like horror movies so they can be afraid i've never been in the mood to watch a depressing movie generally but like one of my favorite movies is called the pianist oh yeah and that is like oh like that just that movie just like chips away at me for two hours until i'm like nothing by the end of it but I, but I love that movie, but I, I don't enjoy the experience. I don't know. There's something about it, right? <laughs> it, 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 this kind of content. If you're a content creator, if you're a director, you're a writer, and you want to touch these, these themes, you know, I, I don't think people want to watch uh, something, <laughs> you know, like a character who's depressed. And, and in fact, like I've, um, season three of The Flash, for example, are, are you that far, Lara? No, I haven't even started. Go ahead, go ahead and spoil it for me because I'll eventually get to it. But I don't, it's not. So between season two and three, they do Flashpoint, just like in the comic books. Uh, Flash goes back in time, changes stuff, and then when he comes back, basically he creates a depressed world. It's like all his friends are like just they're not like before. Like in season two, they were all like bubbly and and quirky and funny, and then everybody's just like been through some shit. Like because he went back in time and changed everything and then I stopped watching it because all of my favorite characters were basically showing signs of depression now and everybody was like oh like I, I didn't want to watch it like not even the idea of like the hope that they would get out of it was enough for me to like continue watching I just stopped I couldn't I couldn't do it anymore it isn't usual that like characters that you're already familiar with go through something really bad for a long time right like uh, I remember like Buffy season five I guess right is where she comes back six or she's six right she's just like so oh yeah because of the musical episode she's just like so down you know, for those mm-hmm. first three episodes, but there's still like there's still other people around. But like, yeah, I don't want to see her that way. I don't know. Like, I think it's I think it's interesting that we see characters who are depressed in in different forms of media, but we don't. Um, I'm not surprised that we don't see it more often because like, who, who wants to see that? I don't know. That's that's what I'm thinking right now. <laughs> that's uh, that's a really good discussion for us to have because I I think people need different things in different points of their life. So some of us want to see what we've experienced represented on the screen because it, it it's validating and it sometimes can give us hope or sometimes it can make us feel less alone. 
And then we might be in the thick of it and seeing something like that might make it harder for us. So I can imagine someone who might be going through issues related to other people that are represented in 13 Reasons Why, that might be really hard to watch. And for others, it might be really helpful to watch. It's complicated. I I think about this a lot from my life related to bipolar depression. My brother had bipolar depression and ended up dying from bipolar depression. He ended up taking his life by suicide. And so for me, watching some representations of bipolar depression are very difficult. To, to do and I don't want to but then there's the reasons why I love Next to Normal is because it shows the impact that that has on a family which for me was so validating and so healing and made me feel like I was less alone and less strange and left less different and unusual so I think we all need different things in different points of our lives and we would all benefit by having a diversity of these types of representations shown on um, in media. I thought of another example, and of course I'm going to go into games, um, but Zoe Quinn's Depression Quest mm-hmm. is a good example here because I played through part of that and it got to the point where it was it was too too relatable and I stopped playing I just closed the window because I was like well I get the game now and I think that it's important and valuable and I don't want to see any more of it thank you (laughs) I I remember playing that game and I made it all the way through the play that I the run through I did and I needed help after Um, it was it was rough and by help I, I mean I didn't need to go and talk to my therapist but I did need like hugs from my my wife and like a a good conversation and and something to pick me up because it was rough yeah that game is a great example because i believe i've heard zoe quinn say that that game it's designed to show people who have never experienced depression what depression is like yes yeah so like there's a very specific target audience and people who who have been through that are not it Yes. Hey, I've used the word relatable on this podcast more than probably any other word. And <laughs> and that's that's like once I see, you know, like I, I that's how I measure things, right? What, what before I bring them up on the show. Like is that is that experience relatable? Is that character relatable? Is that experience something that people can really identify with? And I love it when I see myself in a character, but not when I see myself like at my lowest point. Mm-hmm. I was just watching a show where a couple was having an argument. I'm like, damn, I've had that same exact argument <laughs> with my girlfriend and I do not feel comfortable right now. Ollie keeps bringing up 13 Reasons Why, and I think it's nice to point out that a show that got a lot of criticism the first season, in the second season, before you even start watching the second season, there's a PSA, and in it they talk about, like, if you're going through these issues, that they list off a whole bunch of issues that are being depicted in the show, if you're dealing with these issues, the show may not be for you. Here's some help that you could go get at these resources. But it was important that, like, They said, you know, it's not for everybody, and especially it may not be for people that are dealing and struggling right now with with things that are so difficult. Yeah, and and Depression Quest does have, when you start up the game, it does say that, like, hey, if you are experiencing depression or depressive symptoms, like, please be careful playing this game. It -hmm. it is heavy, and (laughs) we want want you to protect yourself first. And I think that that's really something I see a lot in in very small indie games is Mm -hmm. that care with which the um, developer is like, you know, uh, this is part of my process working through it. (laughs) If if it might be traumatizing to you, please don't look at it. I don't want to traumatize anybody else in my own process. Uh, Some of the best advice I ever got was from a moth storyteller who said, uh, we tell stories about our scars, not our wounds. And one of the ways in which I've understood that is it is very difficult to talk about or see things that we are currently going through right now. Um, It's a lot easier 
when we have context, when we've worked on it, when we've maybe grown or healed from the thing that we're struggling with to be able to talk about it or see representations of it. But it's, it is very difficult to deal with it um, when you're in the, to talk about it or to read about it or to see things about it when you're in the middle of it. There's probably a broader conversation about content warnings and things like that that we could that we've we've had in the past, and I mean that's kind of what we're we're referring to here. And being warned about the content that you're about to consume doesn't have to just be like, oh, it's going to trigger some sort of you know traumatic response, but it it could just be like discomfort, you know. And sometimes you don't want to feel that. Like uh, I remember the, the magicians had this one episode where a character was sexually assaulted, and then right after it happened they put a number on the screen for the, as like a PSA, but it happened immediately afterwards. It didn't happen before. And I thought that that was really responsible at the time. And I think that, you know, um, a lot of people criticized 13 Reasons Why, but then we've also heard a lot of talk about how helpful 13 Reasons Why mm-hmm. was because it was so... I don't think that 13 Reasons Why is very realistic. I think it is very exaggerated all the stuff that you see yeah. but it's i think that in those extremes is where it it touches so many people right because it it is it's more universal yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and and it did that really well but then like again like we hear oh so many people were affected by that story by what happened to Hannah and how Clay dealt with it that like they reached out to more people and that show probably did a lot of good by showing that i mean Ultimately, I think that that's, I guess, more important. Not saying that, you know, that, than the people who were, who, who felt uncomfortable while watching it, but I think, I think that's like, that's really good that it was able to have that positive effect. I, it's, it's complicated, right? Because I think a lot of great conversations have come out of 13 Reasons Why. And I think there's a lot of people as well as families who have talked about mental health because of the show and wouldn't otherwise. At the same time, there's data that searches for, suicide went up uh, in relation to 13 Reasons Why. So I, it, it's a complicated, messy thing. I don't know if it's a net good or a net bad. I, I'm looking forward to seeing how what the reaction to the second season is. There's a lot of dealing with the aftermath in and how Hannah taking her life affects her parents and the rest of those kids but it's more from their perspective. The first season was more from Hannah's perspective. The second season is more about from everyone else's perspective. Um, and there are some really powerful moments. And I want to mention that in the PSA, they do mention not just that if you're dealing with these issues, um, that it may not be for them, but that they should that you maybe you want to watch the show with a trusted adult or a trusted like person to help you. I think they use the word adult. Yeah. Yeah. To, to help you process what is going on. And I think that was one of the main issues with most of the kids that I have dealt with since the show came out. It was more about them not having, they were watching it either without their parents' permission or, you know, without their parents or someone that they felt like they could trust and talk to and process what was going on on the show. And that's where things got tricky can i can i take things to superheroes for a little bit do it nice okay um Josue, didn't you and i watch logan together maybe i think we did and <laughs> <laughs> one of the things that i remember is as i was watching that movie it's such a movie about in in some ways about depression and about reflecting on your life it's also about connection and family and what happens when family is changing so it's it's not an easy movie to watch and i, I remember i don't know if this is a real memory or not but i remember walking out of it um and i was really moved by it and i thought it was if a movie can move me in some way and make me feel intense emotions, I, I think that's a, that it's a good movie. And I remember you saying, yeah, I, I think it was great, but I don't want to watch it again. I don't think I would ever want to watch that movie again. And at, at the time I remember thinking like, really? Husway? Like, why don't you? It was great. It was amazing. It was so moving. I've had the opportunity to watch it again a million times 
and I never want to watch it <laughs> because of that like very deep, sunken. I'm going to use the word here, depressed feeling I had after I walked out of, out of that theater. But I was so glad that this representation of a superhero that I love existed. That's interesting because when I'm depressed, I don't like depressing music, but I do like watching depressing Logan? movies. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Josue, we just recently talked about Deadpool 2, mm-hmm. and and that deals a lot with not necessarily depression in the clinical term, but close to it. It's, it's next door neighbor, uh, Grief which that whole movie is about an uplifting and and funny kind of way of dealing with depression and grief and crappy stuff happening to you. Logan is just a whole movie of bad things happening. Yep. Like in Deadpool, like bad things happen and then... And then jokes. He's, and then, <laughs> then he wrote to redemption. Yeah. yeah. There's yeah. like no jokes in Logan. <laughs> There's a couple. There's a couple. Uh, yet Deadpool has a great Logan joke. Oh wow! Yeah. yeah, oh, yeah. Interesting. Logan has good jokes. Logan has really good jokes. Mm-hmm. It needed them. I'm sure those there were reshoots. I was like, no, we need to add some levity. <laughs> like when X23 gives him the finger with her. Uh... Mm-hmm. Exactly. Or when he yeah. gives he gives the finger. Yeah. <laughs> with the, with, yeah, yeah. yeah. There's jokes. There's jokes. All There's the Wolverine jokes. finger jokes are are great. All the middle finger jokes. <laughs> There's been many of those throughout all the X-Men movies. They're, they always get me each time. Is there anything uh, that anyone wants to mention? Um, I'm going to mention something. I don't know if this will be cut out later or not. But wh- Your whole your whole thing is going to get cut out. <laughs> Everything it's gonna you It's going to be a fine. You never, you never know if what you say will be cut out later or not. <laughs> no, it, <laughs> might, it might stay on. Um, if I say Josue is the smartest, most amazing person in the universe that might make it onto the show i'll copy it and repeat it multiple it's times gonna be a whole episode. it's gonna be a whole episode of just you saying that over and over again bonus episode i'm sure that's going on to the soundboard uh one of the things that was really eye-opening to me was learning about some of the theories of why depression exists and i remember again when i was listening to the anxiety episode um everyone was talking about well it's um it can be helpful to avoid things that are dangerous and that's where maybe fear has um has developed um some of the theories about depression that i think are really interesting is in small amounts depression might be a good thing that it is this stop sign this warning that your life is headed in a direction that you don't want it to go into and maybe what we call anhedonia which is no longer enjoying things that you usually enjoy maybe that's there for a reason to get you to stop and look at where your life is and move things in a different direction so that's that's really interesting to me that in in small amounts maybe it's helpful and for some of us it might build and become something that's that's more of a problem but um yeah i i don't i wish there was more representations of that um maybe there are and i'm just not thinking of them but um i think that's really interesting you mean representation of someone feeling depressive symptoms and it coming out as like oh well that was for the best well not not just for the best but like it was helpful like reflecting on it learning about it and growing from it in a way that is helpful yeah i mean there's stories that do stuff like that um but i don't know if we necessarily link that to ideas of depression i mentioned my theoretical orientation in in the anxiety episode right where there are a lot of these uh, symptoms that are involved in depression, there are feelings associated with them, and there are like healthy versions of those feelings, right? Like sadness is not a bad thing, but it's 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 a normal thing. It's it's a feel. Yeah. It's not unhealthy to feel sad. I think Inside I, Out is a good example of that. How oh, that's such a good movie. Why didn't we talk about that? <laughs> 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 uh, I I want to make a point. Um, at, you know, as we're wrapping up this episode, we're talking about using these words sort of frivolously. Um, and speaking as someone who has dealt with depression, 
Um, if you're feeling it, if you're feeling depressed and you're worried that saying I'm feeling depressed is you adding to the stigmatization or you like overreacting to your sad feelings, that's that is that is your depression speaking, perhaps. That's mm-hmm. definitely something I've dealt with. Um, and if you're feeling it and you're, you know, d- talk to somebody, reach out, somebody you feel safe with. And that doesn't even have to be somebody who's close to you. Perhaps you have a stranger that you feel comfortable enough to be like, man, I'm really feeling depressed, but I don't know how to talk about it without feeling like I'm, you know, co-opting from quote unquote real depressed people. Um, You know, we we don't want to make people feel bad for trying to figure out if they are depressed. And if you are worried about that, you're probably not the person who's using the word wrong. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> totally. I just know that like in my own experience, there's definitely been times where it's like, I won't talk about the way I'm feeling because my depression convinces me like, oh, Lauren, it's not really that bad. This is not really depression. You're just like tired. It's not a big deal. And I'm like, no, like my being exhausted all the time is part of my depression. Yeah. Yeah. And the only way to really address it is to, well, what? Uh, address it and talk about it and explain to people like, hey, um, I, I can't I can't do the thing that we wanted to do because I can't get out of bed today. It's it's not going to happen. And, and having people who are supportive of me saying that is such a blessing. Seriously, guys. Whew. That's such a good point, Lauren, because that's such a big feature of depression is, uh, well, I'm not depressed enough to be depressed. Oh, Um, God, yes. Seriously. Right? It's so often like, uh, no, that's actually a little diagnostic of depression. Yeah, I like this. We're we're not saying at all that any of the words we've covered this month shouldn't be used. I mean, we we use them. That's kind of the the point, right? We've even even used them in this episode. (laughs) I literally said that was crazy to you the day after we recorded the crazy episode. I'm the guy who just said wackadoo, so... <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um we've talked about depressing movies and things like that, right? Like that that's is this is exactly what what we're talking about. And yeah, there aren't um specifically super clinical scientific words for some of these things. So they are what we've got. Um I think this episode we showed that there aren't really that many at least I don't think that there that depression is depicted like very incorrectly in media. Like nobody's like showing like just that they're super angry and punching a wall and saying, I'm so depressed, right? It's like, well, that's like, that's, that's like mixed messaging. Like, that's not, that's not right. Although it can come out that way in adolescent and adolescents and children's. I mean, that children's could, children. children. I can say words. <laughs> I mean, that could be irritability. Yeah. It could be. It could be. I think feeling depressed in the most like general way that we're talking about it, whatever it means is, is something that a lot of people understand and can, uh, it, it is like super relatable. Uh, I think everybody said it at some point, probably. And I'm glad we had a conversation that, that touched upon it in, in many different ways. And and yeah, Lauren, to your point, like we're not saying at all, stop using those words. I'm not going to. Are you guys? Are no, no, come, no, no. <laughs> come to our forums and talk about your examples of of seeing depression in in media that made you feel better or worse or anything we got to talk about it i like that you're plugging the the forum just don't use the forum as a place for uh clinical advice there are rules and guidelines yep 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 yeah so i think i think this has been like i'm I'm so happy that we got to do this uh for the entire month we really we had a theme for the month I'm glad the way it went. I'm glad that we were able to look at it from so many different perspectives, give some media examples, talk about the actual mental health component. I think we talked about the DSM even just a little in every episode and gave positive, negative examples. I'm really I'm really happy that, that we got to do this. Yay, Mental Health Awareness Month. Yeah. Yay. We got suggestions from from people on social media for the different words. I think we've covered all of them every um, across all four weeks. If I missed any, I'm sorry. Let us know on the forum. Absolutely. Um, and it's funny, I, I put down that, uh, like, what are we going to do in the near future? And I put down, well, 13 reasons why, like, we're definitely going to be talking about that. And I'm, I'm, I'm not surprised that we talked about it today. Probably this, the, the second show I talked about the most last year on the podcast, 
Laura, Laura knows this. It was Kimmy Schmidt. Mm-hmm. Kimmy Schmidt's coming back next week. I cannot wait. Are you <laughs> sad? It's the last season. It's okay. It's okay. I've rewatched uh, every season of that show. I love that show. I'm I'm fine with four really good seasons, and uh, Queer Eye is coming back in three weeks. How weird is what? that? What? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> season two what? is coming back. Yeah. Oh, Josue, way to way to really bring up the end of this episode because oh, I am so yeah. excited now. Yeah. Oh my gosh! <laughs> so, so those are those are the things that you have to look forward to uh, from us. Um, also, if you miss them, we've done. Uh, two episodes um, in the last few weeks on Deadpool 2 and Solo. So check those out if you watch the movies already. If not, save them for later when you have. Um, so yeah, so this is this is the end of our Mental Health Month uh, stuff. <laughs> we did a lot of giveaways. It was fantastic. We launched a store. Um, it's called Tea Public. Lauren? <laughs> <laughs> but you can get to it from geektherapy.com. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, the th- throughout the month, uh, the the website changed a little, so now there's a store button and a forum button on the website. It's been it's been a good month. It's been a, a very busy month. Thank you to everybody for joining us on on this adventure. Absolutely, please, if you want to discuss um, what we talked about on this episode or any of the recent ones, check out the forum at forum.geektherapy.com or just go to the link in the show notes. But we're always accessible on Twitter. You can find us uh, at Geek Therapy. I'm at Josue Cardona. Lauren is at Chicken Dinosaur. Lara is at Geek Therapist. And Ali is at Ali Matu. Thank you for joining us. And we'll be back next week. Bye. You've just listened to GT Radio on the Geek Therapy Podcast Network. For more about Geek Therapy and all of our podcasts, visit geektherapy.com. And for extra content, including our monthly book club and other perks, consider becoming a member of Geek Therapy on Patreon for as little as $1 a month at patreon.com slash geektherapy.